because of my mom, who believed in me when I was really a mess as a younger man, who prayed for me, trusting God that I would come around. And uh, she's still alive, living with my dad for 64 years. That's no small task. (laughs) And all you moms, too. I, I married the second greatest mom ever. Does anyone here think that, uh, that you're rather ordinary, that there's, there's nothing all that special about you? I mean, we're all special as God's children, but does anyone here just raise your hand if, if you think that, you know, I don't have great skills, I don't have training when it comes to you know, presenting the gospel or, or running a ministry, or you're, you're, you just think that, you know what, I, I, maybe that's for other people, but that's not for me. Anyone, anyone think like that or have thought like that? in your life? Well, God loves to do his most amazing things through regular, ordinary people. So two dads and our teenage daughters traveled to Tanzania, Africa. And uh, what Louie and I are wearing here are the garb of the Maasai warriors. The church, one of the churches we were there, uh, honored us making us spiritual Maasai warriors with, uh, with these, and uh, Louis made me wear it, so. <laughs> what did we do there? Basically, the same things that Louis and my family do here at home. The country there is stunningly beautiful and simple, and the people are the most genuine and gracious people you will ever meet. The hospitality to be around people who have very, very little, but they give of what little they have. It was so humbling and so amazing. We were honored to share the good news of Jesus. We prayed for people's needs and encouraged the body of Christ there to be bold, to be available for whatever God will have them do, and to stand back and watch what God will do with ordinary people. Most of you here know that my family left this church three years ago. We moved to the other side of town, and we serve God in a struggling neighborhood. Uh, At this point, we have a couple of guests here today. Uh, These two men, in their different ways and different spheres of influence, serve in the inner city. They share God's love with people. They reach out to people that others want to look the other way. From. They find homes and apartments for people who are on the street. They encourage, they, they share meals with people, and they are just God's hands and feet. Would you stand? Jim Scott and Jim Aslan. So Louie and his family lead a ministry called Healing on the Streets. Many of you have heard of it. It's in our neighborhood where every Saturday for two hours, they pray for anyone who passes by. What is extraordinary is that both of our families are very ordinary. Louie and I were uh, reflecting on this a while ago, that five years ago, both of our families were regularly attending this church, but not really doing much else for the kingdom of God. Now, five years later, we are still just regular people. 
Nothing special about us except that we do those three things in our daily lives that we did on this mission trip to Africa. Challenge each other to be bold. Make ourselves available for whatever kingdom work God will put in our path. And we marvel at what God can do with unremarkable people. The two weeks in Africa were split into three phases. First, we stayed with a church in the large city of Mwanza. This church was intentionally planted in the very poorest area of that city. Uh, Louis, you want to share a little bit about what we were doing there in Mwanza? So it's funny because on the plane ride from Dar es Salaam to Mwanza, a lot of planes will have well, like kind of like tourist information in the seats, you know, with maps of like the state parks and or not the state parks, like national parks and all the game reserves and all the cool stuff you can do while you're in Tanzania. Mwanza is not on that map. <laughs> and for a city of three million people, it should be, but it's almost like they purposely didn't put it on the map for tourists. Um, has a very large population of homeless children. Um, there's a lot of homeless kids on the street. Um, and our, we were basically there to, to help to encourage and help build up the local vineyard church that was there. Um, and we did that in, in, in all kinds of ways. And in really, like, it was really amazing how God put this group together because each one of us had something different and unique to offer that was very, very, very much needed. There were things that Briggs could do that I couldn't, things that I could do that maybe he didn't feel comfortable doing. And the same with our girls, too. And it was absolutely incredible. It was so perfect how God just put all that together. And we weren't even planning on going to Mwanza when we first started planning this trip. Our first destination kind of fell through, and this was kind of like our backup. And I really think, I mean, it was definitely, I mean, God-ordained. And uh, we helped, um, you know, this trip was, um, a lot of mission trips are a lot of manual labor sometimes, you know, whether you're building a school or helping, you know, maybe build homes or help, me, help maybe to feed the homeless. All those are great and very, very important. That was not what this mission trip was. This mission trip was very, very simply going around to as many people as we could and sharing, and sharing about the good news of Jesus Christ to them which is probably the most terrifying part for most people in this room. A lot of us feel more comfortable serving in a soup kitchen or maybe doing, like, I mean, putting our hands to use to build something, which is great and very, very important. Somebody has to do that, absolutely. But when it comes to sharing our gospel, but when it comes to sharing the gospel, which is something that every single one of us is called to do, that's when we kind of sometimes get like, uh, maybe someone else is more gifted in that. But as Briggs says, we were just ordinary people going there and doing what we have already been doing here in Cleveland. Um, when we went on the streets and prayed for people, it's the exact same thing we do at HOTS every Saturday. The exact same thing. And, um, and I, I give so much credit to our girls because they, they were engaged with those kids in the heat every day, literally from sunup to sundown. Um, there, was no, there wasn't a lot of downtime. But uh, it was absolutely just exciting. And um, I'm going to have our girls come up and share a little bit about what it was for them. So Grace and I's biggest, I guess, contribution for our time in Mwanza 
was spending time and just pouring into the homeless children that come to the school where we stayed. Um, it was kind of, for Grace and I, this is, again, stuff we do all the time. We had 40 kids in there one day, but it was literally, for me anyway, it was like having 40 of my little siblings hanging on me, and we just played with them and sang songs, and it was just, it was the most fun and fulfilling, I guess, for us to be able to pour love into these kids who um, don't get a lot of, like, physical love and attention at home. Tanzanian society is very tough. It's very, um, you take care of yourself. Um, So these kids were positively tickled pink to have us just be there to simply spend time with them and love on them. Um, And the thing about the kids down there is that they don't really like other people down there, like the adults. We were kind of like weird touristy people. But the kids, they just thought of us as like another person that could love on them, another person that could just play with them. And that's, I don't know, that was kind of amazing. So... So, as these two young ladies just poured love on, on uh, all the children that came, it made Louie and I look like the best dads ever. <laughs> I mean, people were just amazed because, you know, it is uncomfortable to have all those kids hanging on you. And, and you know, uh, the, the cleanliness and, and what we're used to here in American society, you know, we're so spoiled here that... Um, Izzy and Grace were just amazing at being uncomfortable and yet just pouring out that love. And so whenever Louie and I spoke, we had like automatic credibility because everybody watched how our daughters acted. And that was like the biggest blessing for me. Okay, so I guess I'll start with my stuff. So before I left for the mission trip, I was always, like, really, I kept myself when it came to, like, praying for other people. Like, we would go down the hots, and my dad would be praying for other people, and I just kind of put my hand on them and silently, like, listened to him pray or whatever. And I came into the mission trip thinking, like, that's probably what I'll do again. I'll just lay my hands on them. Everything will be good. But then during the trip, we would wake up, and, like, we were... I was thinking that I didn't want to be, like, embarrassed by, I don't know, saying something wrong or whatever. But we would wake up, like, our hair would not be the best. We would be smelly. We had dirt on ourselves. And at that point in time, we didn't really care whether we were embarrassed by accidentally getting a prophetic word wrong or anything like that. We We just kind of went with it and said whatever we thought God was trying, God wanted us to say. So... That's what I think really changed when I came back to America. I feel like now I'm a lot more bold when I pray for other people, and I actually want to say things when I go to HOTS or wherever. Your perspective really changes when you haven't seen a mirror in literally four days. (laughs) My biggest takeaway kind of goes off of Grace's. Um, I noticed that while we were there, you know, we had huge expectations. For Grace and I, it was our first mission trip, uh, first time out of the country, and so it was, you know, we were pumped. But God, being who he is, far surpassed all of our expectations. 
um, we expected to see um, God touch people, and he did. We expected to see people healed, and he did heal people. It was spectacular. But I noticed that, for some reason, at least me personally, I don't expect to see God, you know, heal the blind in America. And I think it's because we try to box him in and think, oh, you know, he's, he does that for missionaries. He does that in far exotic countries. But he's the same God everywhere. And he loves people in America just as much as he loves those children in Africa. So the highlight of the trip for, I think, not only me, but I think for us as a group, was the last two days of the first week, um, our team leader, Tom, who's the gentleman in the black shirt on the top left uh, picture, him and his wife had to leave the trip early. So we were left in Mwanza for two days um, by ourselves with the church leaders. So we were able to then tag along with another church in the area called Bethany AOG, um, to go with them uh, to be a part of their week-long crusade in, um, in a remote village outside of Mwanza called Igike Manja. Now, um, prior to going out, we had met with Pastor Ezekiel, who, uh, who, is the, who is the head pastor for this church, and we met with him the, the afternoon before we head out. And he wanted to sit down with me and Briggs and talk about some of the things that we were going to encounter. So he so he sits with us and, and talks to us about how you know there's a lot of people in um, um, a lot of people in this village and but there's also a very very heavy witchcraft um, influence. There are, there are um, a lot of witch doctors. There's no hospitals or anything really close by. So if if you're sick, people go to the witch doctor. Now. Five years ago, if you would have told me that we, you know, hey, we're going to take you into an area where there's a lot of demonic influence and a lot of witchcraft, I'd be like, nope. <laughs> but I can't. But I can't even describe to you how pumped and how excited we were getting just sitting there, listening to Ezekiel tell us all the scary things we may encounter. We were totally pumped. And I was literally sitting there like a kid before Christmas, like, oh, my gosh, we're going to go, we're going to go. It was, it was unbelievably exciting. So next morning we went. Uh, we were picked up about, eight, um, about 8.30 in the morning. We took a bus ride with about 25 other people, as you saw in that video, uh, out, to this, um, out to this village. Now, this bus only held maybe 12 people, maybe 15. We had 20 in there. So it was awesome and scary. But this church... Their philosophy is kind of, it's very unique. And, like, I've never seen a church that was so closely resembled the early church in the book of Acts. It's, an, um, it's not a big church, maybe 50, 60 people who, um, who are regular attendees. And Pastor Ezekiel, his idea of bringing impact is going to the source. So he wants to get these people in these villages before they leave to go to the city. Because as soon as they leave to go to Mwanza, then they're exposed to other types of beliefs, um, like Muslim and Hindu and, and, and other forms of religion. So he wants to go there first before they have, an, they have the opportunity to be influenced by other types of religion. So he does this week-long crusade where they will go there. Um, we meet as a group first, and kind of then we break up into teams. Uh, me and Grace were with a couple of interpreters, 
and Briggs and Izzy were also with a few interpreters, and we just separated for about three hours. And it was very simply, we went from door to door telling people about Jesus. Um, it was amazing how receptive people are. I will say that out of all the people that we talked to, 98% of them gave their lives to Christ. There were very, very few that didn't. Um, and we saw God do amazing things. We saw many, many healings. Most of the healings were rooted in some kind of like a demonic attack on people. Um, for example, you know, we had prayed for people who had like stomach pain for decades. Um, it seemed like there was a lot of people who had some kind of like a stomach issue. Um, I don't know if it was maybe from the food or the water or what, but a lot of it was rooted in like demonic activity. In fact, we had prayed for one lady who had stomach pain, and as we're praying for her, the pain actually moved from her stomach and went to her neck, like literally as if the pain was running away from what we were doing. So it was absolutely just incredible. And um, again, I could, I could. There's so many testimonies that I could share as far as the healings and the demons that were literally just running away from us. It was awesome. One, one important thing about, like, the whole witch doctor thing is they're just simply the local users. They hold power over the simple village people who are hardworking. They run subsistence farms. They're, they're the salt of the earth people. But these witch doctors, like, threaten them. If you don't take our cures, we'll put even something worse on you. And so they get tremendous amount of money, cattle and, and sheep and everything given to them, and then they don't even heal the people. And they just keep this going and going. And it, it's just the worst kind of using of, of, of human beings that, that you can imagine. So when they were presented the gospel, and it comes free, it comes with no threats, it comes with love and, and, a, and a new family that you can be a part of, they were just so eager to get on board. And that was, that was something that was really great. So after we would spend about three hours out going to as many people as we can and telling them about Jesus, we also, then we would meet back at this big mango tree that's right in the center of the village. And we would break there for lunch. And then following lunch, we would have a church service there. So everyone who we encountered, we would always tell them, listen, we're going to be meeting for church over by the mango tree. And just listen for us. So the amazing thing was there was this, there was this immediate way to get them immediately plugged into a local church. Now, again, this is a church that hasn't been started yet. They had a pastor, and they had people from the, the local churches to help kind of get it started, but there weren't any, like, members. And if you saw um, in that video, there was a picture of these, like, six posts that were sitting in the ground. That's the church. They don't have enough money for a roof yet. They don't have enough money for a floor yet. But they have poles in the ground, so that's where they're going to meet. And so when people would give their lives to Christ and come to the family, we would immediately have an opportunity for them to get connected with other believers that day. And, we did, and, and this church would do this every day for a week. And then at night they would show um, the Jesus film to people there too, again, to kind of really to, to help give them an understanding of, of what they've given their lives to. And it, was and, and, uh, um, and it was amazing. And in the two days that we were there, between our two groups, we had 28 people give their lives to Christ. The whole week, they had like 80. So that's our church. And um, so I'm going to share one testimony that was probably the highlight for the whole trip. 
Our second day there, um, we woke up again, and um, we got picked up by our bus, and we drove out to the village again. Now, we had heard that the witch doctor was in the area, and so me and Grace were, like, super stoked. We're like, we're like we need to go tell Alicia, who was our interpreter, hey, like, we need to go find the witch doctor. But we don't want to tell Briggs and Isabel because we want to get there first. But sure enough, by the, end of the, by the end of that day, we had not found the witch doctor. But everyone who we went to and prayed for, like we would always leave and say, hey, where's the witch doctor's house at? And they would point us in some direction that was usually like, I mean, miles away. We come back to the mango tree to meet for lunch and to, like, to regroup and, um, and come to find out that Briggs and Isabel had the chance to go to the witch doctor's house. We were totally jealous and bummed out. We're like, man. But the cool part about that was, I guess, as they were approaching the witch doctor's house, when they got to his house and to, like, this clump of houses, it had looked like they had literally just left. Like, there were, like, dishes on the ground, and, like, like it almost looked like, like, literally, like, they saw them coming and had to flee. So while they didn't have a chance to actually talk to, to the, 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 the witch doctors, clearly they knew what we were bringing, and they needed to leave the area, which was awesome. But, um... One of the people that we had met on that second day was a mother and daughter. Um, the daughter's name was Sala, and the mother's name was Maria. And uh, Maria, the mother, uh, a, very, a very older woman, had uh, pain in her whole body. She had pain in her neck and her head and her legs. So we spent some time praying for her. After about five minutes or so, she was completely pain-free. Um, all the pain had left her body. Then uh, we prayed for her daughter, Sala. Sala has... Sala was blind. Um, she has, she's been blind since 1996. And uh, in 96, she went to a hospital to, to help fix it. They couldn't do anything for her. She, she was in the hospital for like three or four weeks. And uh, so the next step was she wanted to go to a witch doctor. Again, because there aren't a lot of options for like health care there. So they go to where they can. The witch doctors, actually, what they did to her was they, they, they cut slits in her chest and would put herbs and, like, like, like medicine, actually, inside of her. And to no surprise, she didn't get any better. So since then, she has dealt with this blindness as being what it is. She doesn't see complete darkness. Um, at times, her eyes will, com- uh, will go completely dark, but for most of the time, it's just a blur. So we started praying for her. Uh, Grace was very, very eager to pray uh, for her, so we uh, we had started, and basically, we, we there were like five of us, so we kind of just went around in a group, and we started praying for her. Fifteen minutes in to our prayer time, one eye opens up, and she and she can see completely clearly out of one eye. So we're like, we can't stop, like we have to keep going. And we asked her if we can keep going, and she said yes, so we we would go around in a group, and so, so like I would pray and then have her check it, and then Grace would pray and then we'd have her check it again, and then we'd have, like our interpreters do the same thing, and we just went around. We prayed for this woman for over an hour, and at one point while we were praying for her, uh, she actually, if you look in the picture in, in in the third one, she actually had to get she actually had to get off her chair and lay down because she she said her body felt like she was getting beat up as if it was in a fight. So again, for us, like this is like super encouraging because what we're doing, because what we're doing is actually having an impact, and and something's happening. 
But again, we went, we prayed around and around and around. And for the longest time, there was no change in that one eye. Like it was just black. We played again and again and again. Then finally, she starts seeing light through it. Pray again. She starts to, now she can see people, but when she sees somebody, she sees like 10 of you. So again, we prayed again and again and again. And as we prayed, the number of things that she saw got less and less and less and less. Until finally, the very last time we prayed, after about an hour, um, our interpreter uh, picked up a rock and asked her, like, do you see this rock? And she's like, yes. How many of them do you see? She's like, I see one. Both eyes completely opened, completely healed, since being blind since 96. Now, again, I had seen God make eyes better, and I've seen God do amazing healings, but to see somebody who was blind, I mean, completely see, it was absolutely just incredible. I have a video testimony that I'll be sharing on Facebook probably later today, but I can't show it because it's just long. But uh, I've been in contact with him since we left, and, and, and she is still seeing clearly. Uh, she's hardly ever home because now she's got, yeah. She's hardly ever home because she now has this new world that she can see, so she's out always busy. But she's been going to the church regularly. Um, the amazing thing was everyone that we prayed for who, got, who experienced like, like some kind of healing, they would come to the mango. Because we would basically, after lunch, we would start worship under the mango tree. And we would worship as long as it took for people to show up. Sometimes it was 10 minutes, sometimes it was 45 minutes. But we wouldn't stop until people started to hear the music and then people showed up. And I was amazed at how many people we had just prayed for and just encountered would show up to this mango tree to have church with us. And not only that, but they were very, very willing to share their testimony as far as like what God did for them. And the most amazing thing was like that people never gave credit to me or Briggs or our daughters or the pastors. Everyone that we prayed for gave all the glory to God for what God did for them. So I'll close with this. As Briggs said, you know, we used to be the pew sitters that we felt like ordinary people and not feeling like we had a lot to offer. But the reality is, is that what God did in Africa was he, and, and what he does in other parts of the world, he wants, he wants to do here, and he wants to do it through, through ordinary people. And a lot of you are probably thinking that, well, I don't, you know, I'm not a good speaker, or I'm not a good leader, or I'm not a good organizer. I'm not a good, you know what? You're not. But God is. So if you just follow Him and let Him lead, then everything else just falls into place. But for us and our families, all it started was with us saying, "Okay, God, like we will go." And that's all it starts with. Because God will completely figure out the rest. In fact, he already has it lined up. He's just waiting for you to make the first move. You know, it's a very, very exciting time for this church because we have, we have a few individuals here who are really passionate about what God has put on their heart and they are, there and, and, and they are pressing into it. You know, we have, we, have, um, we have the HOTS ministry on Saturdays, which we've been doing for about a year and a half now. Uh, we have Scott Glazer who's starting uh, the Fresh Start program where he's going to be offering free baths and showers to, to homeless people. Again, it was just, God, he had a passion, he had a desire, and a need that he wanted to be a part of, and he, all he did was say yes. That's it. 
um, you know, we have um, people who are involved with the laundry project here. Again, it's just, it's just ordinary people who are saying yes to what God has put on their hearts. Now, what God has put on your heart, he might not have put on my heart or somebody else's heart, but he put it on yours for a reason, okay? I've, I've, I've heard a lot of people in church over the years say, you know, I, I, um, I wish we had a program for this, or I wish we had a group for this, or I wish we... Those are great ideas. What are we waiting for? All it takes is one person to say yes. That's all. So whatever that passion is that God has put on your heart, whatever it is, and like whatever that looks like, he's put it there for a reason. He's just waiting for you to make the first move. He's got all your tools lined up. He's got all the people who are going to help to support you and all the people in the team who are going to help that ministry to get launched off the ground. He's got all that already planned out. He's just waiting for you to say yes and open the door. That's all. You know, I went into this. I, I, I told everybody before we left that I went into this trip with very, very high expectations. And I've had a few people ask me since I've gotten back, was this, was this a life-changing trip for you? And to be honest, it wasn't. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean that in a very, very good way. Because over the past five years, I have been constantly pressing in to what God, what my limits are with God. And every time I do, he just moves the goalposts farther and farther and farther. So for, so for me, for this trip, this was just confirmation of what I knew God wanted to do. And again, it was just him moving the goalposts farther and basically saying, you're not even close yet. So I want to encourage all of you that, what, again, whatever it is that God has put on your heart, because he has something for every single person in this room. Maybe it's not to lead a ministry, but maybe it's to be a part of one. But I guarantee you he's got one for every single person here, even the kids and even our youth. Whatever it is, just say yes. So, so, so can we pray? In Isaiah chapter 6, when uh, Isaiah has his vision of God, the Lord asks him, who will go for us and who will we send? And Isaiah in a very loud voice says, Lord, here I am, send me. Lord, we just ask that that is the heart cry of this church. We're not called to be lukewarm Christians. We are called to be burning hot and on fire for God. Some of you in this room maybe have felt that for a while, that yeah, your faith or your walk with the Lord feels kind of stagnant, that you're wanting more. If you're ready to take that, to take that next step, I want you to stand up. If you're ready to say, yes, Lord, here I am, send me. I want you to stand. Don't let embarrassment keep you in your seats. This is not a time to be embarrassed. This is a time to stand boldly and say, Lord, whatever it is you want me to do, I am ready and I am ready to dive in today. you guys who are standing to hold your hands out and keep your eyes closed. 
Father, I just pray right now for your presence right now just to come to this place. Those who have said yesterday, Lord, I pray that you would ignite a fire inside of them. Fame that, flame that passion for what it is that you have planned for them, Lord. Open up doors of opportunity this week for them to make that passion a reality. Holy Spirit, right now, I just ask you to fall on every single person in this room. I ask for your presence to be made real to them right now. So Holy Spirit, we just ask you to come right now, Lord. Fall on this place. Speak to the hearts of every single person in this room. Maybe some of us don't know what that passion is yet or don't know what that desire is yet, Lord, but you know exactly what it is, Lord. So I pray that you would just give them just a, an, an image or a picture or a word for what it is that you have called for them, Lord. Father, here we are. Send us. Maybe it's here in North Olmstead. Maybe it's across the globe. But wherever it is, Lord, we are willing and we are, we are ready to serve you fully. Father, I just pray for a, just a fresh outpouring of the miraculous here at Friends Church. And I pray that that outpouring, Lord, would just spill over into the streets here in North Olmstead. And that you would use ordinary, broken people to do your will and your glory. In Jesus' name.